Winning Haven Church. Let's stand up and let's worship the Lord today.
Sing it to the Lord right now. Don't think about anybody else. Right you give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you. your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Sing it to him like you mean it. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you. Shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, it's your breath. 
in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only
everyone. Hope you're doing well. Good to, good to just worship God, huh? Huh? All right. So good, good stuff. All right. Um, we're going to go to our time of uh, prayer right now um, and go ahead and, and have that. And I'm just going to go over that right now. A uh, couple prayer requests that we do have here. Um, Emily asked for birthday wishes for Wes. Wesley is 75 years young. There you go. So yet yesterday, um, and they got a birthday gift, and so do we. They sold their house in Jersey, and they're going to be down here all the time now. So, um, so you got a birthday gift, and so do we. So um, uh, congratulations for that, uh, and, and many, many blessings. Prayers for Jim and Doran um, as they are going uh, to move to a new location, and we're going to miss them for sure. Um, continue to pray for Lou for healing, and, uh, and for Nancy. Uh, God knows her need. Also, um, Joe, um, Joe is home, Cox, and he's recuperating, so he's thankful for all the prayers. Um, he told me, he said that the, um, it was very close. If he hadn't gone in those days, it would have been very bad, and he might not be with us, so we thank God that he is still with us. Um, and uh, Phyllis Davis asked for prayers for her family in Alabama. Her brother-in-law passed away from COVID, and for a local friend with COVID here in Cecil County for healing. Um, Danny asked for prayers for his uh, friend Dwayne who is having heart surgery. And then also um, many have asked um, to keep our brothers and sisters in Haiti in your prayers as they received a very massive earthquake down there. Um, we did get to see, unfortunately, some of the, um, some of the struggles, some of the, uh, the devastation there. However, everybody is doing well that we know for the most part. Um, and, um, and so they're, they're just, they just don't know what's the next thing that's going to happen. And also in the midst of that, Pastor Oog shared that his... Uh, his mother is actively dying. So we want to lift him in prayers. As you know, his wife passed away just a, a few weeks ago. And so continue to lift him in your prayers as loss upon loss is, is great. All right? So um, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just lift up these and, and all others in our service today. God, we come to you today um, just giving you uh, individual praise that is done collectively that we can come here and we can celebrate you and just, just uh, see what you have for us today. Um, God, we know that you want to speak to us in, in many different ways, and I ask that you do that, um, whether it be through the songs, whether it be through the message, whether it be through just, just someone saying hello, who knows, God, but whatever it is, I know that you have something for us, 
in the midst of this day. So we want to lift up all those prayers that we've lifted up for those moving, Jim and Doran, for Lou and Nancy, um, for healing, for a joy of, of Wes's birthday, and uh, for Phyllis um, and her family that is dealing, and friends that are dealing with those things, for Dwayne who's having heart surgery, and for our brothers and sisters who right now continue to meet um, and worship you even in the midst of some of the greatest struggles and tragedies. And so, God, we thank you for your presence with us, and not just with us, but for people everywhere. And, God, I'm going to tell you, I'm okay with you returning today because I've had enough. Um, But if you want to come today, we'll be glad to go with you. Um, But, Lord, as they prayed since the earliest time, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But while we're here, I pray that you may fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you'll give us the strength to do what is needed in this world. But more importantly, God, that we may be found in your favor, and that you may look upon us and say, wow, great job, and that we may be able to see many people come and connect to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen. Okay. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to Haven Church again. um, Welcome you here and those online in worship. Um, We want to welcome all of you. Uh, So a couple things. The youth group um, is going down to hand out popsicles in the park. Northeast Park. So a lot of people are probably going to sneak down and say, oh, I just decided to go to the park and get some popsicles. But anyway, um, that's going to be a, a great thing. Always check out our other, other uh, announcements that we have here. Um, Paris Foundation is good. Thank you again for your connecting with that today. Um, we, grief Share is actively going on, um, so we want you to connect to that if you want to. But um, Operation Christmas Child will be here before we know it. And so right now I know there's some deals for... Um, for um, going ahead and getting back to school supplies. So if you want to do that, you can be thinking about that. We'll be collecting those as, as well. For those of you who received a worship guide, you can go ahead and have that um, if you want. But also up here, if you want the uh, digital version, go ahead and take out your smartphone, um, if you're smarter than that phone, because um, it makes us dumber, I think. But um, you can go ahead, turn on your camera, go ahead and hit the QR code, and you have it right there digitally, and you can have it forever and ever and ever. Sound good? Right? Sound good? Okay. Okay, we are in our, and that's, that's our announcements for today, but please make sure to connect to those things, and we'll have some, some neat stuff coming up here as, as we creep closer to fall, believe that or not. Um, so we are in week three of a series called My Emotions, and um, anybody liking this series? Um, I, I sometimes do. Sometimes I'm not sure what I, what I like or not. So, but anyway, as I'm, as I'm looking at this, um, t- we've been through several different things. This week... This week, what we're going to do is we are going to go ahead and um, we're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about anger. So right now, um, let me ask you, do any of you know someone right now that is a little bit angry? Anybody know anybody who's a little bit angry? Um, It's kind of crazy out there, isn't it, Um, that a lot of people are angry. Now, um, if you don't know anybody angry right now, the good news for you is that you do not have a social media account. I just want to let you know, because otherwise you would probably be very angry um, with those things. But anyway, um, it, it seems like in some ways this last couple of years, maybe the people may have become the angriest I've ever seen them. Uh, and, and I may have too in those areas. But anyway, um, let me ask you a couple of questions. Are, are any of you feeling like you have a battle with anger? Like there's a battle with them? Okay. Um, is anybody here easily agitated? Anybody? I, you know, I didn't think I was. I'm pretty long-suffering, but more and more I, I have tolerance about like this. 
You know what I mean? It's just my tolerance level is very, very low. Um, so the big question is, what do we do with our feelings of anger? I know what we want to do. Um, you know, I mean, I've got a long list of people um, that, and it's getting longer by the day, that I want to go Old Testament on. You know what I mean? I want to, I you know, be Samson and grab a jawbone of a donkey and just go to town. You know what I mean? Anybody with me? Don't you think that would be more fun to do? I mean, for me, uh, and sometimes. But anyway, um, in this series, we've been calling it My Emotions, but the key of this has been that we want to look at how Jesus displayed these emotions, how these emotions were there, and how he lived them out. Because as he lived them out, I hate to say this, is how we need to live them out as well. And so when you look at Jesus, when you, when you look at Jesus, we think of Jesus as being loving and compassionate and full of grace. But Jesus also got angry. He also got angry, and, but his anger was in a way that honored God. So um, if you're like me, you want to look for those loopholes where you can get angry and blame it on God. But um, today we're going to, the, the sermon's called, um, the message is called Angry Like Jesus. Angry Like Jesus. So I, I got to give a disclosure before I, I continue on here because this is a risky message. It's a very risky message because I could make some of you mad at me. Um, and when I talk about this, you're very likely to hear through your own filters. Um, you know, through our filters of what we think and what we do, but also um, what I think is the filter that everybody does, some kind of political filter, some kind of filter that we have. Political meaning not parties, but like polis, that people. We have this kind of filter that we look through, and anything that doesn't, that gets that filter that we don't like, we are immediately angry against. Have you noticed that in the world? Um, and so if you get really angry at me, I want you to know very clearly this message is definitely for you. Uh, so, so go ahead and, and pay attention. So I was rem- there was a husband and wife, and they would get in fights a lot. And the husband was so frustrated because every time he got, he got mad at his wife, he said to her, I get mad at you, and you never, you, you never respond. You never get mad at me. How do you control your anger? And she said, I clean the toilet. And he said, you clean the toilet? Well, how does that work? And she said, I use your toothbrush. Okay, so, so there we go. That is not like Jesus would do, but hey, it's really good. Um, so everybody today's throwing away their toothbrushes when they get home, I guess. Anger is a major issue. It's a major issue in our world. I don't have to give you stats, but I think you'll, you'll learn this. According to a 2000, um, 2020 American Psychological Association stress in America survey, 79 respondents reported that COVID-19 was stressful. Makes sense. It's almost 80 people. Anger also elevated as well. Some 20-some percent reported being on edge, snapping at others, and yelling and screaming at loved ones. Do you know that murders are 50% plus of the murders that are committed begin with an argument? At one point, it was actually 60. So it's dropped a little bit. Um, Assault. 51.9% of surveyed women and 66.4% of surveyed men were physically assaulted as a child by an adult caregiver and or as an adult by any type of attacker. It's an estimated 1.9 million women and 3.2 million men are physically assaulted annually in the United States. Child abuse and neglect um, come to numbers of one in seven children have experienced child abuse and neglect in the past year. Psychology Today calls this the age of rage. And so we live in a time where everybody's angry about something. 
And there's some Bible examples that talk about this. And one of the things that we look at when we look at the Bible, maybe um, we're not just angry about what we think we're angry about. Maybe it's something that's deeper within us that we're angry about. So for instance, Proverbs uh, 29, 22 says, an angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered one commits sins. Anybody know anybody who's just angry and they just want to cause problems? They just want to stir it up. Anybody know that? So they go ahead and they do that. What about this one? Proverbs 14, 17. It says this, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. Anybody ever gotten really mad you did something really stupid? You just don't want to tell me, right? God knows. I don't care whether I know or not. Um, uh, what about this one? James 1, 20 says, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so when we look at this, I think there's three ways, just to start off, just like, this is like for free, this is like um, some extra stuff here, but three ways that we attempt to solve the stuff that's going on within us, okay? Because there's something going on in us, and we get angry about it, respond to it in improper ways, and there's a couple ways that we deal with, trying to deal with this. We decide to do it, the Frank Sinatra, my way. We do it that way. We get mad about it. We get frustrated about it, and we say, well, you're just going to do what I say. It's going to be my world, and everybody's going to get on board. And if you don't like it, you can tell. Anybody ever worked in customer service or with people? Anybody work with people? You know those ones who are angry as soon as they come in the door and they want to deal with everything their way? Okay, that's one way that they do it. The second way is the opposite. It is your way. There, and, and this is not a good way as well. But some people say, you know, I don't want any conflict. I want to avoid everything. And so, you know, it, you can have it your way. Remember, what was it? Was it Roy Rogers? Remember back in the day? Or was somebody, or Burger King, you could have it your way, right? Burger King, you could have it your way. Um, limited, but you know how, anybody ever tried to do something for somebody to make them happy when they're miserable? It doesn't work. And so we, what we do when we want to avoid conflict and we want to do something for somebody else's way, we tuck in all those feelings. We push them down, and that frustration begins to build, and eventually we explode sometime in some way. And then there's another way that some people think is the best way, but it's really not either. It's called halfway. I'll meet you halfway in here. And so we, we look for a compromise, but often compromise is not a solution to what's going on inside of us. And the truth is, Compromise never resolves the conflict that we have. It just, it just keeps it there until that middle compromise line moves again. And so the question that I asked last week that I'm also going to ask this week is, is it a sin to be angry? Like if I get angry, is God going to be mad at me because I broke his law? The answer is no. It is not a sin to be angry. But anger can very quickly lead to that area. The emotion of anger in itself is not a sin. And so what we're going to do, I want to show you, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 4 here. And here's what it says. It's, it's, this tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, it is not actually an, a sin, but he tells us a little bit more about this. So look what he says. In your anger, do not what? Sin. And that again, I like to say this, that's a big churchy term, sin because we've been beaten over the head by that. That just means miss the mark of what God intends for life. So if we're looking at um, how we have our emotions like Jesus, then anything that is outside of that is not what God wants us to do. So it's just off the mark. So in your anger, do not sin. Do not let something um, that would be appropriate, inappropriate happen. Then it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anybody ever gone to bed? <clears throat> Grab the covers. <clears throat> right? Anybody ever done that? 
You don't want to admit to it? Liars. Um, but anyway, so, um, but what we have here, it says, do not let the sun go down on you while you're still angry. In other words, that builds and that harbors bitterness of soul. Have you ever had a time where you've been in an argument, you get angry, and after you're angry, you go ahead, you get in this conflict, you just don't talk, you go to bed, you, go, you get up, you go to work, and the next time there's a conflict, what comes out? That which you <laughs> leaned over and pushed down. Okay, so that's why he says, don't go to bed when you're angry. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, in the Greek, the word for foothold means a place or a room, the exact word that they're using here. So if you can imagine that you're trying to keep something evil or something bad out of your house, but you leave the door open a little bit. And that's what anger does. Anger if it's misplaced, can leave the door open just a little bit and Satan's sticking his foot in and next thing you know, he's in your house and he's eating your groceries, right? And, um, and, and using your TV. So um, comes in that, oh, he needs that little opening. He's in there to have access to your house. And what house, we're not talking to your home. We're talking about your body, your mind, your heart, all those things. If we get angry, and there's some people are just so angry about absolutely nothing. Just angry all the time. And there's a, a foothold there. Now, there's several reasons why we don't need to give a foothold or a room. It's because many marriages are struggling. And if marriages are struggling and we leave a foothold or a way for the devil to get in, there will become even more anger in that marriage. Many friendships and other relationships are hurting, letting their anger drive them to sin. If you're not careful, your unrighteous anger can cause you to actually compromise your witness for God then your anger might lead to sinful behavior that ends up compromising your ability to make a difference. And the very thing that you care about most will then be lost because you're angry about something. So it says, in your anger, do not sin. And be careful that Satan doesn't get a room in your house. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to go to Matthew 21, a time when Jesus did get angry. And here's the context of Matthew 21. Jesus is entering Jerusalem for Passover. Now, Passover in first century was very interesting. In Jerusalem at that time, what would happen is it was controlled by the Roman uh, Empire, but people would travel, Jews would travel from all over to come to celebrate Passover and would, um, would go ahead and sacrifice animals at the temple and they would worship. So at this time, Jerusalem normally had about 40,000 people. But on Passover, it went up to like a quarter of a million people that filled the area. So you can imagine the traffic jam. You can imagine the number of people that were, that were filling the area. Everybody trying to get to the temple. And, um, and, that, and we know that definitely because the Jewish historian Josephus gave us those numbers. Now Jesus' mindset, let's put his mindset here. This is the last week of Jesus' life, and he knew it. Five days before he's going to give his life for us, and if Jesus is a little bit uptight, I'm going to give him a pass here, okay? Um, he knew what was coming. And so Jesus at this time is walking up to the temple. And as he walks up to the temple, what he saw broke his heart. It made him righteously angry. He saw greed. He saw hypocrisy. He saw abuse. And he saw a complete misuse on the name of his father, in his father's house. So Jesus did something very out of the ordinary from what he used to do. And in his righteous anger, he turned over a table. 
and some other stuff. So let's look at this scripture. Let's go here to Matthew, and here we are. So Jesus entered the temple courts, temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. So Jesus goes ahead, turns, you imagine, here comes Jesus. He's walking up. He's walking up. He sees something. And you ever, you ever get something that makes you mad, like really angry? Um, for me, um, my family points this out to me. When I get really agitated and really angry, I don't just explode. I kind of go, and my nostrils start to flare. I start breathing. I breathe heavy anyway, but I'm like, and I'm waiting for my moment. Boom, right? And, you know, it's, it's, it's boiling within me. You know what I mean? It starts to boil within me. So this is, I can see Jesus. Jesus, um, he's walking up, and he sees this, and he starts going. His nostrils are flaring, you know. And he gets up there. And what does he do? He turns over the table. He just flips it over, flips over the benches, and then he decided, all right, now I'm going to preach a mini-sermon. And here's what he goes to. He says, it is written. My house would be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Because what he saw they were doing, Matthew gives us this, like, this thing. Here's Jesus. He's walking up. He's, he's got, you know, knowing that the cross is facing him. He's got his disciples. He's preparing them. He's going to the temple in this, in this celebration to go ahead and, and worship his father and, and to sacrifice as a good Jew. And he goes up and he sees all this stuff and he aggravates him. He throws over uh, tables and and, you know, whips cords around and things like that. That goes to show you that Jesus was not little Jesus, meek and mild. Because nobody came after him. You know, and, and as a mason, a carpenter, he's throwing stuff around. He's like, ah! And then he goes ahead and says, gives this mini sermon. And then Matthew throws in this part in the whole scene that really seems very weird to me. Here's Jesus throwing over tables, making people, you know, making people like, whoa, what's going on here? Throwing over benches. And then all of a sudden, look at what it says. And the blind, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. Does that seem like two stories slapped into one there to you? Like Jesus, ah, heal, 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 heal. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at that, I'm going, what? That is so weird. It's like two stories into one. Jesus is righteously angry. He's showing them that this is angry. He gives this message, and then he goes, yeah, here you go. Nice. So what did Jesus do here? He actually turned over a table. But the, and, and, and it kind of like bothers me a little bit here. It doesn't because I like it, but it also, also kind of bothers me because I think many of us turn over too many tables. Jesus could have turned over the whole place, but he turned over a table and some benches that were there. And we need to recognize that some of us are just too angry. And recognize that Jesus was not characterized ever by his anger. He he did get angry, but it wasn't often. Matthew's not saying, yep, man, we can't take this guy anywhere. This is the fifth table this dude's turned over this week. They say, man, you should see when that Pharisee said something, Jesus turned over, smacked him in the face. Whoa, Jesus, you go. No, we never have that about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is not known for his anger. He's known for his love. 
Jesus is known for his love, not his anger. The first thing that you think about Jesus is how he loved the outcast, how he touched the lepers, how he forgave the sinners, how he loved the unlovable. And so my goal today is not to inspire you to go home and start turning over tables and to look at your family and say, yeah, there you go, that'll teach you to criticize how I mow the lawn. No, my goal, my real goal is simply this, that when we get angry, and we want to be angry about some things, but not to be angry in a way that discredits our witness, not in a way that hurts our relationships, and ultimately not in a way that dishonors God. And so we want to be angry, but we do not want to sin in our anger. And so I don't want you to miss the honorable reason here. So there are three very, three very specific things that we can learn from Jesus, how to be angry and how to also honor God. Number one, one of the things that we see is Jesus wasn't angry about what others did to him, but he was always angry on the behalf of those who were mistreated. In verse 13, we see here that Jesus got angry, and the first thing he said is, my house will be called a house of prayer quoting scripture, but you have made it a den of robbers. His heart was broken at this point for the mistreatment of others. Not for himself, but for the mistreatment of others. So let me ask you a couple questions here. Do you think Jesus was ever betrayed? Do you think he was ever criticized? Do you think anybody was ever hating on or attacking Jesus? Do you think he was ever unjustly persecuted? Do you think he was right, but no one wanted to find out the truth to his accusations? Okay, I could go on and on and on. But notice, he never, ever got angry when anybody did anything to him. When someone criticized him, when someone disagreed with his views, the modern equivalent would be he didn't get angry when somebody posted something about him he didn't like. Jesus got angry when others were hurting, not him. So one of the things I think that maybe we need to do right now, and you can do this yourself, is do an anger audit. Like, for instance, what is it that makes you angry nowadays? What's your first answer? Write it down. Where is it that you're carrying a grudge? Where is it that you're easily agitated? Where do you find yourself on the inside being extra critical and of maybe some group of people or maybe a little bit hateful when you should be loving to someone else? Clearly, when someone hurts you, when they lie about you, when they mistreat you, when they gossip about you, when they betray you, it is natural to get upset and angry. The good news, though, is that we are not bound to the natural world. We follow a supernatural God who gives us something to go beyond the natural, called the supernatural. Scripture is clear on this when it comes to followers of Christ. When someone wrongs you, do not seek revenge. Go ahead, everybody say darning. All right. Do not say, it says, it also says, you're not to hate those who curse you. Don't you wish you could cut and paste the scripture sometimes? Take out little knots and put, hate those who curse you? Yes. Get revenge? Yay. Okay. Um, so not seek revenge, not curse, not hate those who curse you, but to bless those who do those things and forgive them. 
How in the world can I possibly do that? How in the world can I possibly get to that point? Well, me personally, and recently I get people that take shots at me, hurt me, lie about me, attack me, attack my name. Everything in me wants to stand up, fight back, flare my nostrils, um, be angry, throw things at them, um, pray, pray like Old Testament prayers where, like, you know, the... Um, you know, like, uh, may the, uh, the flies of a thousand camels inherit their armpits or something like that. Um, uh, and everything in me wants to fight back and to make them feel just a little of the pain that I have felt. And I want, that the, the, the human side of me wants, I'll be honest, the human side of me wants somebody to suffer, right? Anybody with me? Or am I the only unholy one in this room today? All right. Um, and I want that. You know, so many times I, I just want, I, I, I want something, I want to be vindicated by God. And to that, you add to that the fact that when things don't go the way I want them to or don't want, that people are reacting in certain ways, it hurts more when you see them taking joy and bringing hurt and loss and pain to my life. That they actually enjoy what they're doing. But scripture tells us that, right? That people enjoy their evil. So I want justice. And I don't want to be warped perceptions that become rumor or other people's reality based off of just being the popular thoughts at the moment. So I feel justified in my anger. So how do I forgive someone who hurt me? How do I really forgive someone who hurts me to my core? Well, the Bible is very clear. We forgive as Jesus forgave us. I've been forgiven so much by God. So much. So if I find my ang myself angry for weeks, months, years at a time over something someone did to me or over something somebody said to me or they didn't say, like, you know, some people are mad because you didn't say hi to them. You know that? You ever been busy and you don't see someone and they're like, next thing you know, you're, you're rude and you don't talk. And they get angry about those things. As a follower of Christ, at some point, and I'm going to tell you, unless, you're really, unless your name's Jesus, it's not going to be right after you hear it. But at some point in your life, at some point, I need to ask God for healing in my heart and let his Holy Spirit do a work in me to forgive me as I have been forgiven. Because I got, I got some names in my mind right now that when I see them, I want to see them. I'm ready. Yet, I also don't want to do anything in my anger to ruin what Christ has called me to do. Because if I thought the rumors and the other stuff is bad, wait till somebody finds out I walked up and slapped somebody. You know what I mean? It builds upon builds upon builds, right? And so when we, when we see those things, Jesus wasn't angry about what people did to him. He wasn't angry about what people said to him. He wasn't angry at entire groups of people. He, was, he wasn't like, all those Pharisees and all those, and he doesn't want us to say all those, and you fill in the blank, blah, 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 blah. He was angry at those who dishonored his father's house and mistreated people. So when we look at the further details of the story, we see that Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers. So 
what this would be, it's like if you go to a different country and you you got to change the money, you have an exchange of money, so you have to have the proper currency. At the temple, people came from all over, so you needed the proper temple currency, so they would trade in money, and people would travel, and you'd get the money, and they'd always make a little bit more because the exchange rate is not always perfect. Perfect, you know that? And if anybody's ever traveled internationally, you go ahead, you see it as the international rate, rate, and you go, okay, I'll get this, and, and you figure those things out. Um, the problem was, yes, even though it was marked up in the temple, it was marked way up. Um, and so what ended up happening is um, they would go to the temple, and they would bring a pair of doves. And the doves were meant for sacrifice. So the markup was like, has anybody ever been to like an amusement park or to a sporting event or a concert? You know, you know what I mean about that? So like if you get a soft drink or soda outside, it's like $1.99, but it's like $25 inside. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like anybody ever, anybody ever sneak food into an amusement park? Come on, it's confession day. I, I do, you know. Uh, how, about, how about movie theaters? Right? You know, you guys, you guys, it's like, it's like the middle of summer and you're coming in with a coat, you know, a trench coat. And you're like, you got anything in there? No. And you're pulling out submarine sandwiches or whatever you got. I mean, we do that. That's what it is. It's always marked up in those places. And this is exactly what they did with the doves. Um, two doves on the street were, were an average of four pence. Okay, four pence. Once you crossed into the temple and you didn't have your doves, it went to 75 pence. And what Jesus realized is those who couldn't afford the four pence outside couldn't afford the 75 inside. So what it was, it was an attempt to marginalize those who were already marginalized. And it angered Jesus to his core. They were using God's house in order to make this incredible profit. And in the midst of the incredible profit, they were keeping people away from serving and connecting to God. And it angered him to the core. And so those marginalized who had no resources to sacrifice, Jesus didn't like that. He wasn't, why was he upset? Why was he angry over what, not what somebody said or did to him, but over what they did to the mistreatment of people? And so that's the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened is when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables. He did not flip people. Reverend Albert Tate in um, Fellowship Church in Mississippi coined that term. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, we see he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He didn't give anybody the one-finger salute. He didn't punch anybody. He didn't cuss anybody out. Pastor Albert Tate said, at the table, that table in many ways could have represented the system that supported the hypocrisy or the mistreatment of so many. But it was on that table that the dealings were consistently hurting those that didn't have the resources to go to the temple and worship. In other words, when Jesus turned the tables over, what did he do? He flipped the table and he disrupted the system that spread injustice. Now, we need to be careful. We need to really be careful and be led by the Spirit, not by ourselves. It's so easy to take our perspective and think it's God's perspective and make it a righteous cause and say, this is my righteous cause, so it has to be from God. 
and it makes me angry, so it must make God angry, so now I'm righteous in my anger, and I feel, and just because I feel strongly and angry about it doesn't mean I'm righteous in my anger. And right now there's some people like, in your mind saying, oh, you know what, I know somebody who really needs to hear this message right now. But maybe, just maybe, you and I need to hear it too. I have had examples of people that have come to me for years that have been so passionate about something and upset at me that I'm not angry or frustrated by it. Sorry, not me. I'm not there. There's so many people who wanted to be right, wanted to be right over all things. I want to be right. I've got to be right. I've got to be right. Um, that they've stood me down. This is right. This is right. No, no, this is right. This is right. No, 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 it's got to be right. And I don't care, all right, because so many put their effort into being right that they've forgotten to be loving. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and being right. And the greatest of these is being right. <laughs> Not at all. No, no. What did he say? The greatest, now he said, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. But hey, we live in a world that isn't too loving. We live in a world that we want, we don't even want faith. We don't, we don't have any hope. We just want, we just know what my perception is. And my perception becomes my reality. And my reality and perception then means I'm right and you better get on board or you're wrong. And if you're wrong, then I hate you because you're against me. And we're so off of what God intended. We have to make sure that when we are angry, that we do not convert it into bad anger that justifies unloving behavior. Our goal as Christians is not just to be right, but it's always to be loving. Jesus flipped tables. He didn't flip people. So how, as followers of Christ, can we be righteously angry? Number one, here you go. You ready? This is, if you don't hear anything else I say, this is going to help all of us. Number one, we are not. Everybody say Not. How about everybody? We are not going to take things personally. Mm -hmm. But number two, we are, everybody say are, going to be angry on behalf of others. That is Jesus. That's why Jesus was angry here. Because he didn't take it personally because he had a lot of stuff to take personally. But he didn't. We are going to flip tables, not people. Number three, last one, here we go. When Jesus got angry, he loved and healed those who were hurting. In verse 14, he says, it says, remember this is that weird verse? Like he's turned over tables, he's preaching, it's like, ah, fire brimstone. And all of a sudden he goes, the blind and lame came to him, to the temple, and he healed them. So odd. Um... Who was it who couldn't get into the temple because of the price and everything? Who was it? The marginalized, the poor. It was, it was the poor, the marginalized, the blind, the sick, the lame. They had no resources to be able to do what needed to be done. Jesus didn't just flip the tables and then leave. He flipped the tables and then reached out to those that the, the tables were keeping away from God, and he brought them to God and healed them and restored them. Right there in the midst of his righteous anger, he wasn't just losing his mind. He was also loving people 
It was a loving people moment. So look at that little weird, odd part again. Matthew wanted to make sure that we knew in the middle of his righteous anger that Jesus still healed people. The ones who couldn't get in, Jesus brought them really close. It's really cool, and this is something, it's a really cool study. In all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every time Jesus gets righteously angry, you will never see him uh, yelling and typically at a, uh, at, a, at a critical point in life or anything, or at a, uh, you know, he wouldn't do any of that kind of stuff. He doesn't yell, scream, throw things. He never says, I'm, I'm, he never gets to a critical point and goes, ah, I've had enough, I'm leaving the church. Nobody's going to talk to me like that ever again. Right? Never does that. Every time he gets angry, he takes that anger, says what he needs to say, and then goes back to healing people and restoring them the thing that his father called him to do. What do we do when we get angry? We love and heal those who are hurting. Because guess what? I'm angry. I got a lot of stuff to be angry about. But there's a lot of people who are hurting and need healing a lot more than my anger. For fun, let's do a little pretend. You ready to play pretend? Let's pretend that the Bible's now. That Jesus came into, I don't know, first synagogue of whatever, all right? Um, and he walks in there, and Jesus goes in. He exposes the corrupt money changers and, and, that they're using it for wrong profit. He throws over a table. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a big news story. Boom, breaking news, right? It's always breaking news, and it's like a hangnail, but boom, breaking news. And it's going to say, oh, my gosh, look at this corruption in the temple. Oh, my gosh. There's going to be a trend on Twitter that says big dollar doves or whatever it's going to say. You know what I mean? Um, and then in our culture, what are we going to do? In our culture as a society, what are we going to do with those evil money changers? They have it coming to them. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to cancel them. Why? Because we love to cancel those evil, corrupt suckers. So some of you are like, what in the world is cancel culture? Well, it's usually a well-known person, celebrity, politician, athlete, pastor, uh, business, corporation, whatever. Name it. Um, that something goes contrary to popular view, or it's a claim that is popular against popular view. It's out there. And then what do we do? Um, we cancel them, meaning it's a modern form of ostracism, um, that where the individual is then thrust out of social or professional circles. It doesn't matter whether they've been faithful and good for 50 years. It doesn't matter whether they've been good for 25 years, 100 years. It doesn't matter. Um, one statement, one misstep, one wrong, one belief perception from someone else whose credibility may be questionable, we go ahead and we cancel them right away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when we think about Jesus, about those who hurt him and mistreated him, let's look at a short list. The Pharisees, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Judas, even Peter did that. All the wrong and hurt and betrayal and lies about and, and, all, and even misjudged Jesus. And Jesus did not cancel one of them. The Pharisees were wrong, Pilate was wrong, Herod was wrong, Judas was wrong, Peter was wrong, but just because you're wrong does not mean you're canceled. And I got to tell you for one, I am thankful for a God who did not cancel me. When I did something wrong to him, when I have sinned against him, 
I am thankful for a God who canceled my sin but did not cancel me. He forgave me. He even, when I sinned against him, he continues to forgive me. I don't know about you, but I am evidence of the faithfulness, the love, the grace, and the mercy of a God who has every right to be angry at me and cancel me to the pit of hell. But instead, he did none of that. What did he do? He poured out all his anger on his son that I caused. And he didn't cancel me. He loved me. He who was innocent on a cross became sin, my sin on my behalf. Jesus paid the price, defeated death, hell, hell, sin, and the grave. And I am thankful once again for a God who did not cancel me, but canceled my sin and continues to do so. In Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said it this way, for God forgave all our sins. Look what he did. He canceled the record of the charges against us. How many of you when you had a, some of you may have been blessed enough to pay off a mortgage. How many of you would love to have somebody say, call you today and say, I, I canceled your mortgage payment? You'd be like, oh, you want to take care of that car payment too? You know, what about college? You know what I mean? You, wouldn't you love that? Jesus took the debt that every single person owes, which is death. He took it and canceled it. And you know what he did? He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. God canceled my sins, but he did not cancel me. Why was he angry? He was angry because they were canceling people. They were canceling people, and he said, no, no, no. That is why I'm here. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God who came to seek and save that which was lost. He did not come from the healthy. He came for the sick. He did not come for the righteous and the blameless. He came for sinners. He came to show the love of God, the grace of God. What made Jesus angry? Anything that separated people from the love of the Father. And when you get angry, and you will, don't sin. Let's grow beyond just being easily offended or not angry on just behalf of ourselves. Let us use what we have to help those in need. If you occasionally need to flip a table, flip a table, but don't flip people. Because our goal is not to be right. Our goal is to be loving. In closing today, I want to go a little bit deeper. Just a little bit. So I'm thankful that as followers of Christ, we get angry about different injustices. That we work to solve different problems. And I know I can't solve them all on my own. And I know I'm not as passionate about something as you are. We can't all fight for, we can all fight for different areas that we're passionate about. So for some, you may fight um, with and help those who are struggling with mental illness. Someone else, you may be working to free someone from human trafficking. Others, you may be trying to help people get clean drinking water. For some, you might be passionate about the black-footed ferret. I've never woken up thinking about the black-footed ferret. But somebody is, and if that's you, go for it. There's only like a couple hundred left in the world. All right, now you know about the black-footed ferret. Yay. And don't get angry, but here's the thing. Don't get angry at me if I don't care about the black-footed ferret. Because God has called me to care about some other things. And where my heart is, 
That's where the presence of God is leading me. But we got to stop getting angry about each other when we aren't up, when somebody says, let me tell you about the black-footed ferret. And I'm like, no. And we sit there and go, okay, don't you want to donate? No, I don't. Don't you want to help? No, I don't. Because that's not where I am. I'm more concerned that, that people who are my daughter's age are being trapped. I'm more concerned that in our own community there are people dying with no food or, or love or care or shelter. That's my heart. I'm, I'm really concerned, in fact, that the world, that one of the worst things it seems to be anymore is somebody who loves Jesus and that the world needs it more than ever. That's my passion. That's my heart. The black-footed ferret is way down there. There might be a purple-footed ferret. I still don't care about that one either. But if you do, rock it out. Just don't get angry at me. God called you to some other place. We live in a very divided world. And a divided world needs a united church. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but not against people, but against powers and principalities of the world. Remember when Jesus turned that over, that's what he dealt with. When we get angry, it starts with a spiritual enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Who wants to steal your joy. Who wants to kill your hope. And it was to destroy lives every day. It's good for us to be united and righteously angry about some different things that we want to bring solutions about. But above all else, we are united in a mission to lead people to Jesus Christ. We will get angry sometimes, but let us get angry like Jesus. Not characterized by our anger, but by our love. Let's not have the church be remembered for what we don't stand for and what we hate. But let us be known for what we stand for in love and what we love, and that's people. That's how we can be angry like Jesus. So right now what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and get ready, and we're going to go to a, to a, a prayer time, and we're going to close out with a song. Um, and so if ushers will get ready, we can give us a chance to go ahead and have time to, to give back to God. And I know many give online. We do have a QR code, again, because that's what we do now, um, to, uh, to go ahead. If you want to connect and give digitally, that's fine as well. Um, and thank you for your gifts. You make so much happen. And, um, and I thank you for, for continuing to serve, serve God in these and many different ways. Um, I'm, a, I'm also going to ask you to stand in the midst of as our, as our offerings are, are going to begin to go around. And I'm going to pray for um, the offering. But more importantly, I'm just going to pray uh, for the Lord to just guide and direct us in this time and in our way. And, um, and we, just, we just love him. So, Lord Jesus, um, you're amazing. And Father, in a world where it is so tempting and so easy to let our anger, let our anger just be there, that, may even, that I may even start to get something angry that is a real injustice or a real wrong or real corruption, something that may not be right. I pray, God, that you would help us to be angry like Jesus was. Not even in what happens to us, but on, half of, on the behalf of others. And so, so God, um, help us as your church to not be known by what we're against, not what we hate, but help us to be known. Help us to be known by sharing the love and the grace of Jesus. So God, as you help us, and as we keep praying today, there may be some of you who wonder where you stand with God. You might feel guilty for some of the things that you've done wrong. Let me tell you about a God who can cancel your sin but doesn't cancel you. 
He loves you and he sent his son. Jesus, to seek and save that was lost. He came to bind up the brokenhearted and he befriended his sinners. He forgave those who sinned against God. And Jesus, the sinless son of God, who became sin on, our, on the cross on our behalf, he died in our place. God raised him up for the dead so that anyone, and this includes you, who calls on the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, that you would be forgiven and you would be made new. Wherever you're watching today, to those who say, yes, I want Jesus, I want his grace today. By faith, I give my life to him. I, I want you to just pray. You can pray out loud or you can pray in your mind. Heavenly Father, Jesus forgave all my sins. Forgive them all. Jesus, save me. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can show your love. Make a difference as you've changed my life. And thank you for this new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. wonderful week in Jesus. Let's get God praise and let's say, let's give him praise. There you go. Have a great week and go get angry about right things like Jesus. God bless.